Warning, the following contains explicit language and subject matter that may not be suitable for younger listeners, church folk, and people who enjoy chaos. Alright, so back in this bitch for another one. This is Connecticut's most controversial podcast. This is the Domino Effect. And as always, I go by the name of Domino. Appreciate you for tuning in. If you're tuning in on on the uh, Twitches, and I think I'm streaming on YouTube as well. Appreciate you guys for uh, listening to me on this fine Wednesday. Um, you know, as I said last episode, it is my uh, birthday week, and I had a different type of plan for streaming this week. You know, I was gonna do some video game stuff, but you know, shit don't always happen how you how you want it to. So you know, this is a different type of streaming. Like, you know, why not get on my podcast, talk some shit. Talk to some people I like, some people I fuck with, and you know, just have a conversation. I'm drinking. I don't know how drunk I'm gonna get, but you know, we got a, I guess, an hour or so. Let's let's just see where this conversation goes. So, uh, the guest I got today on the line, uh, we've talked many times, but never on this specific platform. Um, he, I support motherfuckers that support me, and I just like dope shit. Uh, I've met more genuine people during podcasting then i probably had my whole 34 years of life and i don't know how it works like that why it works like that shit just works so on the line right now we got uh the host of one of my favorite podcasts a pot amongst men we have the human white man we have Stephen b <laughs> on the line hey what's going on dom I, that, that was a hell of an intro bro uh, i feel very flattered man when I tell you you're one of my favorite podcasters or you have one of my favorite shows and it kind of caught me out of nowhere where the topic of the show is, well, well, the whole basis of the show is something I didn't know I needed type of thing. And you created this space where I can listen to other men go through things that I guess go on in my head that I think no other man is going through or, or is just uncomfortable to talk about. So with, with your podcast and, and the guests that you have on and the topics that you discuss, I feel like, you know, I got a better sense of myself over like the past maybe year that I've been listening to it. So first off, I just want to, you know, thank you for coming on the show and thank you for having this uh, great product that is a pot amongst men. I appreciate that, bro. It's an honor. You know, I I told you for a long time that your show was one of the things that got me started in podcasting. So, you know, that means a lot coming from you. Mm -hmm. That's high praise. Yeah, man, that's it's funny how the world works, man. <laughs> so it's sure. Well, it sure is. I mean, you said something about, you know, meeting more genuine people podcasting than you have in your whole 34 years. Mm. And I got to tell you, bro, that I, I've noticed the same thing. Like, it, it just seems like I think when we get older, we kind of we know what we look for in, in a friend and, and just somebody that we mm. genuinely like, like to talk to or be around. And it seems like, especially with podcasting, you could find people from all over the fucking place so mm. oh wait this is i can curse right yeah say whatever the fuck you want all right fucking a but no i i definitely have met some people that i would have never otherwise gotten a chance to meet and i'm truly truly grateful that i have the chance to talk to you know like, i feel like you and i talk you actually it's true you and i actually talk more than the people i grew up with yeah see 
I mean, you know, I we we exchanged numbers a while ago, and me and Steve just keep in contact. Be it, you know, we don't talk every day or every week or every month for that for that matter. But it's just like, you know, if something's going on, like a common interest thing, you know, we'll hit each other up, you know, share some ideas, talk real quick, and then you know, he just goes off into the ether. <laughs> but you know, I just, you know, I I do appreciate you being on the show. Like I said, you are one of my favorite podcasts that I look forward to listening to because I want to know what type of perspective you're gonna bring that day or who's the guest or who's the doctor or who's the friend that you're gonna bring on the show so you know for creating this space for men now what what made you i guess want to create this this type of podcast it was like all right so if we're going back to the beginning this is uh probably around like 2017 i really that's when i really got into to just podcasting being as a listener mm. and uh you know, I kind of my job, my day job is very conducive to to listening to headphones all day long. Right. So it was perfect, and I, I just kind of dove in, you know, head first. And I, when I got married in later in 2017, and now you know, you you know, if anybody's familiar with me, you know the story. I kind of had an instant family situation where mm. I went from being single for nine years and living on my own to all of a sudden having a wife and a kid, and okay. now in laws live with me and. It was a big, big change for me in my life. And mm. uh, I came across this one particular podcast. It's called, it was called 36 Chambers of Fatherhood. I know those guys, they don't really do it anymore. But, uh, you know, shout out to, to Nick Rusher. He was one of the hosts. And, you know, it was just about dads and like the everyday shit that, that dads go through. And it was kind of it was exactly what you said, where it was like it's something I didn't know I needed, mm. where I was adjusting to, you know, my new roles as a, a, hud, a husband and a father. And I just hearing these guys talk about the stuff they were going through and realizing like, holy shit, like this is the same thing that I've been stressing about mm. for you know months now. And these guys are talking about it. So it's like normal and it, it normalizes some of the things that you go through that you like you said, you think you're the only one dealing with. Mm. And I was like, oh, you know, that's really something. And then hearing you and, and Bobby and Hesh, like you guys were able to talk about like the nerd stuff that I I loved my entire life and talk about movies and comics and games. And all this stuff, and you could just, it was like three friends, you know what I mean? Mm. Even if you got, like, I know you and Bobby didn't, you and Hesh grew up together, but Bobby was, it, my point being is that the way you guys did it, where you didn't shy away from anything, mm. like, I was like, you know what, I really feel like, like this is something I would enjoy doing. And it's not like I wanted to get into it because I wanted to be famous or anything like that. Mm. Like, I just love the, pl I love the, the, the audio platform of podcasting, and I, I love the idea of, of making my own. Mm. So I, I was trying to think, like, what the fuck could I do? Because, I mean, let's let's be honest, like the world really doesn't need many more, you know, white guys podcasting in their fucking <laughs> living room. We only podcast so, a period. But, you know, there's, 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 there's <laughs> too many out there. But go ahead. Yeah, but I just wanted to find like a niche, basically, because mm. you guys had what I thought was a, a phenomenal niche. And it shows in the in the, the quality of the content. Mm, thank you. But of course. But for me, I was like, what the fuck can I do? Like, I, I love I love learning about politics and shit like that. But I, I don't know enough about it to at least to, to make a podcast about it. Mm. And I was like, you know what? These same guys that did a, a fatherhood podcast. Like, what if I did something where it was just about being a man? Because this is around like you know, the Me Too movement was really in its in its prime at the time. Mm -hmm. And there's all this talk and people talk about, oh, toxic masculinity and you know, men do all this shit. And I was like, well, I know a ton of good men. I know guys that, that are been out there, the stand up guys that have been doing the right thing their whole life. Mm -hmm. 
So I was like, what if I was able to find a way to make kind of like a mix of everything, but targeted towards real life, everyday guys, you know, the guys that you really don't hear from, like you hear from, you know, actors and, and comedians and musicians and stuff like that and DJs. Mm. But what about the, the average guy? I remember listening to podcasts where they were talking about, you know, listening to like somebody like Joey Diaz talk about taking the, the bus from Jersey City to Hoboken. And I was like, just shit like that, that that's relatable and every day. Right. But that nobody really talks about. I felt like I enjoyed that more and I identified with that stuff. You know, so I was like, what if I could do something for the average guy, the average guy who maybe doesn't realize he's struggling, who just knows shit is hard mm. and that, you know, he's kind of because I'm not sure if you're aware of this or if the listeners are. But there's a, a a real crisis with with men today, just men as a as a sex mm. in that we're, we're lonely. It sounds simple, but it's if you consider this like when you're young when you're in high school like you know young 20s and stuff you have a ton of friends you're out all the time but as you get older and you know real life responsibilities start piling up maybe you got kids you have a, a career you have a job you have mm. a family you have a house whatever like you don't have time to go hang out with your friends constantly you mm. know you don't have time to just go sit at the bar and just bullshit about life with your you know your buddies like you have, you have responsibilities and that takes precedence mm. and as men we kind of just always historically you know, just suck it up and you know, yeah, it sucks, but this is this is what life is as a, as a man. Like, this is what you have to do. Yeah, these are the and rules we, you abide by. Yeah, it's like this is like there's this little box of rules that you have to abide by as a man. And if you stray eh, just one step outside that box, then you know other men are gonna you know they're gonna call you out. They go, oh, you know, the fuck's your problem? Stop being a crybaby. Mm-hmm. You know, stop being stop being a maggot. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, stop, but, <laughs> stop being a maggot. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, stuff like that, and it's where do we get these ideas from? Mm. You know, like, cause we're sitting here suffering in silence. We're lonely. You know, there's plenty of guys who, who don't know how to talk to a female, so they can't build real, you know, in, uh, enriched and fulfilling relationships in their life. Mm-hmm. So they sit there alone. You know, all you got is, you know, video games or God forbid you're one of these fucking sickos on like Reddit till three in the morning every night or, you know, no offense to anybody who's on Reddit, but you know, what the fuck you guys doing? Yeah, you fucking incels. Do something with your life. But those guys, too, because, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been through a real dry spell with the ladies in your life, but that really messes with your head. Imagine imagine going through your life and never having a woman ever, you know, <sighs> go anywhere near your <laughs> your, your, your private parts. You right. know what I mean? Like, imagine seeing, you know, other guys you know, you know, they got girlfriends doing this and that, and then all of a sudden you're looking and... I can't. I can't even get a girl to go on a date with me. Yeah, but if if they understand the simple fact that it has more to do with you than it has to do with them, okay. So whatever you're putting out there, they don't like. So what do you have to change about you? Whether it's you know your style of dress, the way you approach them, you know, just you know mm-hmm. your overall attitude towards life, and just it's something about how you're approaching the woman or women is just something wrong with you. I mean, you you may just be unlucky and you just hit the lottery just being ugly. I don't know. But it's something there's somebody out there for everybody. But uh, here's the thing. What you're saying is a hundred percent spot on. But nobody's talking to these guys. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And that's why you have people getting doing horrible, horrific shit out in the world. And school shit. Like what if there was a way what if there was a way that we could put this out there, like just a conversation between regular guys mm-hmm. and 
maybe somebody who was kind of teetering on the edge somewhere who was feeling, you know, like, like, every, like shit was going wrong for them. Maybe somebody could hear this and that would maybe pull them one step back. And they're like, oh, okay, well, this is okay. Let's see what else these guys have to say. And just hearing a regular guy, people who I think are stand-up guys doing the right thing, that's who I want on the show. Those are the people I want to talk to so that listeners can can tune in and they can hear this and they can think, oh, okay, this guy seems pretty cool. This guy seems like he knows what he's talking about or mm. you know, whatever whatever the guest is. Like I want to create uh, – forgive me for, for using this term, but I, which I can't stand. But it's kind of like a safe space where we can be guys – but we could be guys in the best way possible. Right. You know what I mean? We're, we're not, we don't, we don't have to feel emasculated. We don't have to, you know, like some people want to tell you that, you know, there's a toxic masculinity is toxic, mm. but it's not, it's not your masculinity that's toxic. Maybe your behavior is toxic mm. and those behaviors don't have to be limited to just guys. You know, every, any, anybody's capable of being a piece of shit. Like being a man doesn't automatically make you one. But if we don't evolve the way we look at, being a man and you know what what it means to be masculine or what a man's role in the world is if we don't evolve these fucking old ass ideas we have from hundreds of years ago mm -hmm. like of course it's, it doesn't fit in the world we live in right like that shit was made when it was like hunter gatherers and if you don't go out there and you know kill a deer your family doesn't eat yeah whereas it's 2020 like we got doordash bro like you, there's <laughs> other shit to, yeah there's other shit to worry about right now right. like maybe you should you maybe you should learn how to actually talk to your kids so your kids don't grow up hating you. And then mm. next thing you know, you know, your son's blowing guys at a bus station somewhere. <laughs> like there's just because a guy can be in touch with his, his emotions mm. or whether you can be able to kind of switch modes, you know, whether, you know, when the, if a situation calls for it, you know, you could be aggressive, you could be competitive, you could do all those things. But now if say you have a daughter like you, mm. like you don't want to be, tough and crazy and aggressive and competitive with a little girl you need to be able to switch modes and what that requires that we as men become full human beings mm. not just the one thing mm. like yeah you could have that thing but just have all this other shit too yeah that's all i'm saying it like we need to exactly we need to broaden who we are as human beings mm -hmm. you know and it's these old ass ideas that those are the things that we're trying to, to work against and kind of deprogram ourselves and take the things that still work for us and get rid of the things that don't. So it's, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I want to talk to people and maybe in some small way leave the world a little better when I leave than it was when I got here. Mm. That's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, I don't, I don't, I got a job. I don't, I'm not doing this for money. You know, <laughs> there's not a lot of money in this shit right. yet. Yet. So yeah, yet. But even still, like, that's not why I do it. I do it because I, I love, I love the medium and I want to do something where I feel like I'm having a positive impact on the world around me, you know? Mm, got you. So, but there, that's the, that's the, Jesus Christ. I just rambled on for a while. No, but that's okay. It's great content, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, did you have any prior experience in like the audio game or like radio or anything like that? Cause you sound like a natural. From, from oh, what I mean. thank you. Maybe that's just like, you know, you doing it for so long and just the, the reps. But, you know, I'm hearing it now. You sound like a legit interviewer, you know, insightful. You know, you got your questions down. You do your research or maybe it's just that. I don't, I don't know. Let me know. Like, have you had any? <laughs> well, right. By now, it's definitely reps. But before mm. I started out, I, I was actually so intimidated by even spe speaking on a mic. Mm. I used to I used to be a musician. I was a bass player for years. And 
you know, I told a story. I couldn't even sing backup vocals into a mic. I was, it scared the shit out of me too much. Mm. But I, I mean, I've never done radio. I've never done interviews in this format. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm full of shit and I can talk a lot, I, I guess. Okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, I might be. Now, I feel like every guest that you have on a show is just like a culmination of you and what you deem important or just who you are as a person. Because every guest is maybe like a doctor or a psychiatrist. So you're into the mental health thing, you're into helping men or just people in general. Um, it's a lot of family oriented things. Like you have your wife on there, you have your, your uh, bandmates on there, you have friends that you grew up with on there. Um, is that correct to say? I would say you're spot on because, like, you know, I, there's a lot of different parts to me. I'm a bit of a, a jack of all trades. I, I love talking music, I love talking movies and nerd stuff i love talking serious shit I, I mean whether it's politics or mental health or you know parenthood anything like that like this is a way for me to to kind of have a little freewheeling podcast but have everything still circle around like a cohesive theme and mm. the theme is you know like kind of male betterment how, how do we be the best men we could possibly be without you know we don't have to all of a sudden drop down to our knees and you know worship the pussy on the pedestal you know what i mean right. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's probably not the best way to put it but it basically it's just you know this is a this is a perfect way for me to talk about essentially whatever i want to whatever i feel like it and i could have on all these different guests and it can still make sense you know on a larger scale when you look at the when you look at the podcast as a whole mm -hmm. Right. Now, at what point did you find out that you had some toxic toxic behaviors? Was it before the podcast? Was it during the podcast? Was it you know, after talking to a certain person? Hmm. I would say probably eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was always a pretty uh, introspective as a person in the sense where like I always kind of second guess myself and, and think about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I, I just noticed I, I had some bad role models in my life. You know, I didn't, I haven't always had the best relationship with my, my biological father, mm -hmm. which, you know, to give you an idea of what that's like, we don't even speak and haven't for like the last five years. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I noticed I I've had a lot of examples of how I don't want to be. Mm -hmm. And I've most of my life, I've kind of been able to spot, you know, where those things kind of taken root, you know, over my upbringing. And I, I've seen it in, you know, I see something in myself where I'm like, I fucking hated that when my dad did that. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of always, you know, my, uh, my North star. I was like, did I like it when, when this happened to me? No, well, then I don't want to do it. And it's, you know, it's a lot easier said than done. Right. You know, I'm sure anybody can attest to that. Like, it's easy to say, I want to change. I want to be better. It's a lot harder to actually fucking, do it mm. so you know there's been times when i've done shit and been really not proud of it and actually went back and you know apologized to people like i was in some kind of 12-step program or something and just because it was eating at me you know mm. and i i just i i never want to be the person that's completely unaware of of how they're having how they're impacting the world and the people around them because you know these people they go out there and they like, say you're somebody who's like a liar, like always full of shit, always involved in the drama. They go, oh, yeah, you know, I'm on your side, this and that. And then they turn around and they're talking shit about you behind your back. Mm. But it's like, dude, I know you. Like, do you think I don't see what's happening? Are you right. that oblivious? Like, I don't want to be that guy. I want to I want to be aware of how I'm 
how I'm looked at, how I'm perceived, because whether people want to admit it or not, that really matters. Mm, definitely. You know, you know, the people that say, oh, I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about me. Well, that's bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. And if that's true, it's stupid. Mm hmm. Because uh, you don't care how people see you, well, like, guess what? Your fucking life's gonna be real hard, man. Everybody you know what I mean? Fuck. We 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 gotta act. We gotta sit there and pretend like we don't give a fuck what people think. We're in this business. We're in the media game because we give a fuck what people think. We everything we do, we give a fuck what people think. We you give a fuck what your boss thinks of your work. You give a fuck about what people think of your podcast. Like you give a fuck. Absolutely, mm -hmm. and if you don't, you should. Mm -hmm. Because if guess what? If people like you, people enjoy your company. They're going to go out of their way to help you. Your life is going to catch a lot more breaks in your life. You're not going to be the guy sitting around like, oh, you know, no one ever helped me. No one ever put their hand out. Mm. Like, yeah, because you were an asshole your whole life. What, what do you expect? Right, exactly. Where the fuck was to help you? Right. So now let's let's start from the beginning. Now, Steve, where are you from? All right. So I I guess we should have done this at the beginning, right? No, that's I'm okay. From, I'm, from, I'm from Central Jersey. I, I grew up in a town called Bridgewater. And I still, I still live. You don't say Jersey right for me. You don't say Jersey. What do you mean? No, no Jersey. Because that, that's more of either like a North or South Jersey. If you go North Jersey, you get like the, excuse me, you get the New York vibe. You know what I mean? Like the fucking mafia thing. Yeah, yeah. Hey, come over here. You get a half a loaf of bread. And you get, <laughs> hey, fango, huh? Mm. And then if you go South Jersey, then you get like the Philly where it almost, you get the Philly and it's kind of close to almost like a Baltimore thing. Mm. You know, you go out on Saturday. And you, uh, you go to the store. Yeah. You drink water. Water. Yeah. No, not water. Water. Water? <laughs> yeah. God damn. So I, I'm, I'm kind of smack dab in the middle, but I work. I've been working in, in North Jersey, like around Jersey City, like Hoboken and Newark for the last like 15 years. Mm. So some of that, plus my, my stepdad, who I've, he's been in my life since I was about five years old. Mm. And he's very, very much like that stereotypical North Jersey Italian, like he straight out of the Sopranos. Mm. And uh, I guess that accent's kind of rubbed off on me over the years. So I'm sure you could, there's hints of it in there, but I don't really notice it much. Mm. Uh, yeah, but that, that's where I'm from. I was actually born in Philly, though. So I've always had a, a very strong affinity for the city of brotherly love. Okay, so born in Philly, raised in New Jersey. Now... Yeah. Um, so your so your step pop's been in your life since you were five years old. Do you have any memories of your biological father before then? Oh yeah. No, my, my biological father was in my life, you know, the whole time. It's okay. just in the last five years I haven't haven't spoken to him. But the problem is I have a lot of memories of him and a lot of them are very good. Mm. So uh, like I said, like that was kind of my my North Star is just don't do what he did. Mm. Which is fucked up because you know, I know nobody's perfect, and I'm. I just, I guess, I ho I harbor a lot of resentment towards the man, and I know that he didn't have the best upbringing himself, and mm. that, you know, it's when you when you have kids, I notice like you see how things can, like things in childhood and things when you're a little kid can really change the way a person grows up and develops, and you can see how like a little something here could become like a major fucking thing when you're thirty, right. You know what I mean? So I, I, I mean, am I am I sympathetic towards him? Yeah, in part, but at the same time, you know, we, we may not be responsible for our upbringing, but we're a hundred percent responsible for fixing ourselves and deprogramming ourselves when we're older. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you can't just be doing the same shit for fifty years and you know expect everybody to be cool with it. Like you gotta you gotta learn 
after a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you because you know I I mean people have heard me talk about you know my issues with my father on uh, Three Ninjas. And, you know, I planned on, you know, reaching out to him and talking to him and just, you know, just getting a sense of who he is as a person and maybe what went wrong with him and my mom and just like, just get something. Cause I don't know anything about this man, but like name and, you know, that he's my dad type of shit. Yeah. So, you know, I want to reconcile with him. I don't have any ill will towards him. He's never, he hasn't been in my life to, I guess, leave that type of impact to where I wouldn't want to talk to him. But he, but I, I, I guess I feel some type of way because he consciously just never made the effort. Like I, I don't know. I cause sometimes I feel it. You know, I as as I get older, I understand. You know, being a parent and not being with the uh the mother of my kids. How sometimes you could have that feeling of like I hate you so much that I would purposely neglect these kids just so I don't see you or hear from you or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's been in a bad relationship can can probably yeah. agree like it was it's the easiest thing in the world to just walk out mm. but i mean personally i the the thing is like i i, I knew my dad I, I i knew who he was as a person you know who still still is he's not dead but uh yeah. you know being in your shoes not really having anything to, to kind of look at and 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 kind of figure out how you can you know how you can feel your feelings about it when you you don't you don't know anything about the guy. You know what I mean? Right. Like I I can't see how reaching out could be bad. I mean, if worst case scenario, if they, maybe he turns out to be a complete asshole, but yeah, but then I feel like really, the, the child should never have to reach out to the parent. Yeah, but you know, it's we got to take the world as as it is, not how we hope it, how we wish it was. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And sometimes the, the kids got to be the grown up. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been there. It, it is what it is. And sometimes if, if you want something to happen, you got to go out there and do it. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's completely up to you. It just depends on how much it, it eats at you. Mm. You know, really like, I mean, how, how would you look back at your life if you never, ever spoke to him? You know, mm. now, you know, I, do you, at least you could be say, you know, you reached out and you tried. Mm hmm. Now, do you give a fuck to reconcile with your pops, or like it's just like cause, I mean, like five years is a long time. That's that's a presidential term plus one. It's like <laughs> if, if you can go that long without talking to your pops, it's like you know can't do 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 you care to reconcile? You know, I've gone just back to close and that forth. chapter. Yeah, I've gone uh, back and forth a little bit with this, but uh, I I was blessed from a very young age with the gift of being able to just completely cut people off mm-hmm. and you know just be fine with it and i'm very good at doing that with <laughs> with family right you know i got i got a very big very fucked up family so some people just like listen i can't i'm not dealing with you anymore like don't exist you, yeah i don't what do you what are you bringing into my life mm-hmm. and it's because I, I come from such a big and fucked up family that i look at family as you know, like, listen, just because we are related by blood doesn't excuse you from behaving like a decent human being, mm-hmm. you know, like just be, yeah, you may be my dad, but it doesn't mean you can just be an asshole, do whatever the fuck you want. Right. And I'll just automatically forgive you. Like, I, I'm not built like that. Mm-hmm. So with him, I could easily never speak to him again, but I'm only 35 now. And who knows, maybe down the road, I'll feel differently. Mm-hmm. And I, I also have six sisters. so. It's not like, you know, I don't, I never want to talk to any of them again, even, 
even though mm. I'm currently not speaking to a couple of them as it is. Mm. It's, it's like I said, it's it's a fucked up situation, and maybe I'll feel differently later. But right now, it just I'm just gonna let it be what it is. Mm. You know. I mean, I felt like that in the past too, where I've went, you know, years, probably like a decade, not talking to my pops, not seeing them or whatever. But as I as I've gotten older. And I realized some stuff about myself and certain traits that I see that I get from my mother. And then when my pops was around, certain things I get from him, it made me that that much more intrigued to get to know him as a person and just to know what happened. And it was one day where I was watching something on TV and I think like a similar thing had happened. Well, not as extreme, but it was like, this guy had an argument with his with his dad or or his mom or somebody that 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 he was close to, and then they wind up passing away just unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And then I had the thought in my head, like if I didn't talk to my dad and get that closure, at, at least closure. It's not even like we got a formal a relationship after this, but to get that closure and just to, I guess, gain some understanding for me personally, I would be devastated if I never had that conversation with and something happened to him. And then with mm-hmm. him being an older man and, you know, these times in COVID, I'm like, it's a strong possibility that, you know, I've been putting this thing off of maybe like two years now. And then like, hey, I feel like it's time. But then like, I guess fate has, has like another course for me. And then something happens to him and I just can't have that conversation no more. Yeah. Well, just the to, to say that you tried to say that you reached out instead of having to live with that regret of knowing you never tried. Mm. I think just that alone is enough to give you some kind of peace of mind, even if, you know, when you do reach out, it doesn't work out the way you'd hope. Mm. But just to say that you put that effort in, I think would go a real long way in kind of easing your mind on the subject. And keep in mind, too, with me, I would my I've been my stepdad's been around since I was five years old. And I was really lucky because he is a really good man. Mm. You know, I fuck. I I have an old picture of him hung up in my studio like that's part of the. You know, the backdrop, you can't see it on the camera now, but, mm. you know, like, that's the other thing. Like, if I cut off my biological father, never speak to him again, I still got my stepdad, who I call dad, mm. who's really been there for me more anyway, mm. and who is a better role model, who's just a better, I feel like he's a better person in in general. Yeah. So how much am I really missing out? Because I, I'm still pretty fucking lucky. Yeah, exactly. But we come from two different worlds where, yeah mother actually sought out somebody and, and to bring somebody else into y'all lives but mm-hmm. for, for, for for someone else to fill that role me wasn't so lucky i always looked at my uncles as like my dad's kind of where it was like if i wanted to get certain lessons like life lessons or like lessons to know how to be a man i would always look at them and they were great role models you know married had jobs houses you know kids they did everything mm-hmm. the right way so it was like i had a role model but it's like my uncles ain't around twenty four seven, so yeah. so so most of the time, I got my my advice from people out on the street. You know, yeah, quote unquote OGs or whatever. You know, you learn mm-hmm. from your friends. Your friends don't got dads, so now oh. you trying to you know navigate life what you think a man is supposed to be, but you learn it from people that's trying to you you learn it from people that's on the same journey as you. Exactly, you learn it from people who also don't know what the hell is going on. Exactly, and that's the worst type of fucking learning that you can ever. I don't wish that on nobody because it took me years to unlearn the bullshit that I learned growing up in the hood, mm-hmm. and just from people that didn't know no better. 
All right, but now two points about that. Number one, think about how many other guys out there have that same experience mm. where they only learned from people who also didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Right. You know what I mean? And at the same time, and the second point regarding what you were saying, you know, your, like you can say your uncles are not around all the time. Mm. So to me, it would seem maybe that's all the more reason to at least reach out to, to your old man. Yeah, because think about this too. That's, that's where you came from. You yeah. know, like he, he's as much a part of you as your mother is. Mm-hmm. And it, the one thing I've learned from watching my biological father, even, and especially watching things that I didn't like in him is it taught me a lot about myself, mm. you know, because if you, it's one thing to, to feel a certain way and see something in yourself that you don't like. It's another thing to see it in someone else, you know, yeah. to see it on an external source. You're like, Holy fuck. Mm. Like I do that same shit. Do I look like that big of a jerk off when I do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but that that in itself is super, super valuable when it comes to kind of essentially just getting your shit together. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, because last time I saw my pops, he he did something. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I do that. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, that's where I get it from, and that just made me more more wanting to get to know him, even if it's just like like I said to close that chapter. Or just, you know, build some type of bond because, you know, as I'm getting older, so is he. He ain't going to be here yep. forever. Yeah, and it's just, it's important to know where you come from, yeah. you know? So I, I would say if you have that opportunity, you know, maybe don't waste it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to, I said I was going to do it this summer and then COVID got in the way and then I was scared to go outside. But, you know, I'm going to stop being so much of a bitch. And I mean, I, I don't know, I don't I don't know what COVID's going to do. You know, COVID might have another uh, plan for me, but, you know, I'm going to... I'm gonna I'm gonna set up something. Even if if you gotta come to the house and you know we could just sit and have drinks and just chill or whatever. But I gotta figure right. out something. Hey, all it has to start with is a phone call. That's all. I mean, I got his number. I'm just I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm scared to call him. Like I don't listen. I don't blame you. I would be too. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And then it's like it's and it, and it should be nothing. Yo, that's your father. You you you, mm-hmm. you should be able to call on your parent when you need him. Yeah, but hey, but you you don't have that relationship. Yeah, you with don't him. have. So that. I mean, he kind of he's kind of like a stranger. Exactly. No, but he is. Yeah. I mean, effectively, he is. So th- that's not weird at all to say that. Mm. You know what I mean? And I will say this: I, I, this is something I just talked to my son about yesterday. Now. You know, being brave doesn't mean you're not afraid. Being mm. brave just means you feel the fear and you do it anyway. Right. So fucking, yeah, be afraid. You know, feel it. Embrace it. But feel, fucking do it. Feel those fucking feels and just do it. Exactly. Or you could, you know, at first you could drink until you don't feel feelings anymore. Hey, exactly. hey, hey, dad. <laughs> hey, hey. Father Alex. Hey, I'm talking to you. <laughs> but, can, I, can I tell you something? Can I, can I tell you? Hey, I fucking love, I hate you. You know what? I love you. You know, come over. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, back to you. Now, how was it grow, <laughs> growing up in uh, Jersey for you? It, honestly, it was a typical, typical suburban upbringing. <laughs> Oh, excuse me, I'm getting all stuffed up here. Uh, it, it wasn't noteworthy. I'll say that. Mm. The only thing noteworthy in my life, I would say, was the dynamic between, you know, coming from a, a, a broken home, so to speak. Where my, my father lived in Pennsylvania and my mom lived in Jersey and going back and forth mm. weekend to weekend and getting a, an, a firsthand view of how a relationship can go wrong and everything can kind of go wrong thereafter mm. if you know, two people can't get on the same page mm-hmm. and what that can do to the kids involved. Right. 
So that that's probably the only noteworthy thing about my life. That and I and I played music for a while, so I got to play in Atlantic City, and that was all I ever wanted to do. So that's now, it. Now, how did you get into music? Was that something that that you grew up with around the house, or was it something that you were just naturally drawn to, like with kids outside, or what? So when I was a baby, when my mom was pregnant with me, my dad used to put headphones on her stomach mm-hmm. and play like fucking weird, like smooth jazz shit. Like we were, remember me and you talked about George Benson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he would do shit like that. He would just put headphones on my mom's stomach. And, you know, after they eventually split up, I was only three. But, you know, every other weekend, my dad would come pick us up and we would drive and he would play all these all the songs and he would try to quiz me on who it was. And mm. it just became kind of part of my DNA at that point. So, you know, I just grew up in you know, all these different periods of my life were just kind of defined by the music I was listening to at the time. Mm. And my best friend, Drew, he was a is a pretty talented guitar player and he was in bands and i was like i, I want to learn to play he's like oh i'll just you want to take my old bass and i'll teach you how to read tabs and you can just kind of learn whatever song you want to learn i was like all right so when i was like 20 he, he gave me his old bass for like 30 dollars mm. told me how to read tabs i was just sitting in my my room <clears> one summer playing like fucking my chemical romance songs and you know mm. like avenger sevenfold <laughs> right and i i literally taught myself how to play and then within the next year, he was starting a band and asked me if I wanted to try out. Tried out. They said, oh, you're pretty good. All right, let's go. You're in. Self-taught. And the rest is history. Self-taught. Now, I just want to let you know the bass is one of the blackest instruments that you can play. So I love you for that. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I- I'm going to tell you something. That's not news to me. I'm very much aware of that. <laughs> as as uh, I've told some stories, just anytime we play... I eventually was in a cover band. We played more stuff that was, you know, more bass centric and had a little more funk to it. Mm. And anytime there was there was black folks at the the bar or the club we were playing at, they would always make it known, "Hey, oh, Mr. Bass Man, yeah, look at like, that uh, white boy. Where yeah. did that white boy go? Okay, okay, I see you. <laughs> I see you, white boy. <laughs> now, so you started a cover band at, at what age? So I'm guessing like twenty, twenty one, like early twenties. All right. So the first band. I was the original founding member of, you know, Arms Like These was like a heavy metal band. Mm. And as a bass player in a metal band, it's kind of like, you know, it's very, it's, it's unnecessary. <laughs> you, you, they don't let you shine at all. Okay. So I, you know, I, I fucked around for like a year. I joined another band for a little while and I didn't like that. Mm. And then me and Drew, we eventually started a cover band where we would just play all around like the, you know, the Jersey Shore go all the way up kind of like the east coast and just play bars and clubs and stuff like that mm. and it was just fun but it, it ended up being good money but it didn't last long because you know as with most bands it's like a marriage only you don't get to sleep with the people in the band <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like kind of like all the work and none of the none of the enjoyment right but uh you know it ran its course the band is still around and there's only one original member left everybody else has since quit mm. but you know it was it was fun while it lasted i'll say that I mean, do you check them out from time to time to make sure that they still, you know, I guess how they're doing? You, uh, the band itself, fuck? uh, the fucked up thing is that the band itself got way bigger after I, after I quit. Uh. So, I mean, I don't think I got to enjoy the, the best years of it, mm. but I, I was there for the beginning. Like me and me and Drew started that shit in his basement mm. and then just kind of took off from there. You know how fucking pissed I'd be if I started Three Ninjas? And then I got kicked out or I left for some shit and then they replaced me with somebody. And then it just got bigger than I could have ever imagined. I'd be fucking livid. You know, I, I was for a little while. But then when I realized that 
pretty much everybody else was going too. I was like, ah, well, it's not just me. So mm. I don't feel I don't feel so bad. You don't feel as bad, yeah. Yeah, and I got to play at all but one of the places I wanted to play at before I died. Mm. So the what one place, place I didn't that? get to. The one place I didn't get to play at was Starland Ballroom in Sayreville, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And it was where I went to see most of like my favorite concerts. Mm-hmm. I just I never got to play there. But I did get to play at the House of Blues in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. So that that was good enough for me. I'm I'm pretty happy. The dope thing to put on a resume. Yeah. Yeah. Now um you, I played in New Haven. You did? Toes play? Yeah. I played a Wicked Wolf. Wicked Wolf, okay. Cause I feel like every if if you go to New Haven, I guess like the go to spot is like Toes Place. Like everybody goes there. Like rappers go through there, bands go through there. I feel like it's just Toes Place. But Wicked Wolf, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been there a couple times. Got the Joey Bats, you know. I've been there a few times, few times. Now, um, you guys were a cover band. Now, how many original songs did you guys actually do? Well, in the cover they? band, in the cover band, we didn't do any original. You didn't do songs. any. Was... Like y'all didn't like veer off and be no. like, hey, we want to be more than a cover band. No, as a musician, like we started that thing specifically as a cover band to play songs we liked that mm. the crowd already liked, but we could just make money and have fun at the same time. Mm. So, because uh, I've done the original thing, and it's a it's a tough racket, man. Especially in the type, kind of music we were playing, like it's not a big audience for that anymore. Mm. I mean, if there is, uh, I don't know, but playing covers, bro. Like, I mean, how many how many rock bands you know that are going out to a bar playing? beat it i mean unless it's in vegas not a lot <laughs> you know what i mean like we went we would play we played beat it we played van uh not van halen uh bon jovi and like journey mm. and we would play we played are you that somebody by alia Ali- like we, <laughs> wow bro, we our whole thing we wanted to just play stuff that people weren't expecting to hear mm. you know and j- it was fun because me and me and my friend drew we always kind of had eclectic taste in music and this was like a perfect opportunity for us to to get paid and perform and just play shit that would kind of throw people for a loop. Mm. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So now after the cover band ends, what's your next, uh, I guess, journey from there? After the cover band, it was like radio silence. I think until the, until the podcast started. Mm, so you were like just a normal regular guy working a nine to that five. That was it. Well, you know, when, when we were in the band, like, the one thing people don't realize, like you think, oh, you know, you're in a band, you're out there partying all the time, meeting mm. women, doing that, getting paid. But yeah, we got paid. We played a lot. But you got to keep in mind, while all the girls are at the bar drinking and partying, you're on stage working. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you can make eye contact and you know, talk to a girl in between sets and shit and maybe, you know, get a number. But at the end of the day, by the time the place closes, like you're just getting off stage and like, you don't have time to, to mingle, really. Mm-hmm. Like if you come off the stage, a fucking sweaty mess. So like, who the hell wants to, you know, who wants to rub up on you like that? I sweat a lot. <laughs> right, as, right. as an Italian man, like, I feel like my blood is too thick for almost any climate. Right. So I sweat, I sweat profusely and mm. it's pretty disgusting. Right. But uh, also too, like you, you know, if you work during the week, you're playing Friday, Saturday night. Right. Like, where's your life? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, you, you may have weeknights if you're not playing your show then, but it, it really eats up all of your free time. Mm-hmm. so i was kind of it was kind of like a welcome break i was just like you know what let me go out and just i want to go out to the bar and hang out i want to just you know not have to do anything if i don't want to right and i really took that to the extreme i did it eh, for like uh shit nine years before i started the podcast my god damn now i needed i needed a rest i need a good rest <laughs> you need a re- goddamn almost a decade though <laughs> <laughs> 
hey, you know, what, what do you want me to tell you? Some people are more tired than others. Hey, now, um, can, can you uh, recall, I guess, like the craziest time that you had with the cover band? Maybe like a, a, a time on tour, a time at a venue, a time some shit didn't go right. Like, what's up? I remember playing at this place called Secrets in uh, Ocean City, Maryland. Mm-hmm. It was like, a, it was like a, you know, Ocean City, Maryland is like a big vacation spot. So Secrets is one of the big clubs there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, you know, we drove down. We were, we had a show Friday night. So I, I left work early. We went, loaded up all our gear in the back of my car. We're driving down. And for whatever reason, something just like washed over me. And I was like, oh, I, didn't, I don't remember grabbing the uh, the head for my amp. Mm. You know, the, and I was like, I looked at him, Drew, did you grab my head? And he's like, uh, no. I looked at the other guy, my other guitar player, Brian. I said, Brian, did you grab it? Said, I didn't grab it. So I'm on the I'm on the turnpike now, and I just like pulled over. You know, I'm cutting people off. I I run in the back. I'm looking. Mm. I don't have my bass head. So mm. now this is a big show. Like Secrets was like a big place for us. So I'm like, fuck. You know, we don't have enough time to go all the way back and and get to the show. So now I'm like calling the promoter. I'm calling the venue, trying to find out because I know there was another band playing that night. Mm. Trying to get in touch with the other band. And I'm like trying not to to crash the car. Luckily, I was able to get in touch with the guy, with the other band. The guy let me use his shit, but that's not really the craziest story. Mm. What else? I got in a fight with the drummer right before I broke up. Okay, what's that story? <laughs> so we were, we were playing in Belmar, and uh, you know our lead singer was a female, and you know I, I, she, let's just say she wasn't the brightest uh, candle in the cake. Got you. <laughs> you know she was phenomenal, phenomenal very gifted talented singer mm. but i guess all that talent went to the vocal cords and not so much to the brain the brain yeah yeah so there, there was always something with this girl mm. and we were playing and uh she in the middle of the set like she kind of bumped into my bass and it must have it knocked it out of tune so we we're in the middle of a song and it sounded fucked up she was like ah she kind of gave me a look. Mm. So at the end of the set, I'm like, yeah, you bumped into me, bitch. What do you want to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> so at the end of the set, she's like, you know, you really should practice the songs more so you don't screw them up. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> That's exactly like, you what I was going to say. Bass. You knocked my shit out of tune. Right. I know the fucking song. Mm. You can't even remember the fucking words. Mm. And That's not even a talent. Right. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, it got a little ugly between us, but it was whatever. We finished the show and now, she ended up dating the drummer, mm. which I knew was going to be the fucking death knell for the band. Right. So at the end of the show, he's like, bro, like, he's kind of like, you know, don't talk to my girl like that. Mm. I was like, bro, uh, why don't you fucking have a talk with her? Because she's the one fucked up. She can't even remember the, the words to the songs that we've been playing for, for a year already. Mm-hmm. And she's going to tell me to, to practice the songs, but she's the one to knock my shit out of tune. Hey, fuck her. Yeah. So next, you know, it, it kind of it goes back and forth. Like, don't say that. Like, I'm like, yo, stop being, you know, stop being so fucking pussy whip. Mm. Oh, what'd you say? Next, yeah. thing you know, you know, machismo, and then you know, yeah. Next, thing you know, and Drew's got to get between us, and he's trying to spit on me and stuff. And then, oh no, nah, spit is where I draw the line. You gotta die after that. So then we leave, and he he calls me up the next day. You know, we we kind of we tried to squash it, and he's like, yo, just you know, just be honest with me. Did you keep my car last night? What? No, I'm like no, I didn't key your fucking car. Like I was, I was there arguing with you. When would I have keyed your car? Mm. Like, well, somebody keyed my car. I was like, bro, it wasn't me. Are you, you physically saw me the whole time. Mm. So then, of course, the next show we have, we're in there playing. He was outside smoking a cigarette, and I'm, I'm leaving now at the end of the night. 
and somebody keyed my car. I was like, these motherfuckers. Wow. Did you think it was him? Or just like somebody? It had to have been been him. What what are the odds that from Belmar to Point Pleasant, this is a random keyer going all up and down the the Jersey Shore? You know what I mean? (laughs) Just keying shit. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, he, he thought it was me. So now he's trying to get back at me for something that I actually didn't do. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. So I waited till the last show and I was just kind of like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to make it. I'll see you later. I quit. Mm. <laughs> That's the last time Steve ever worked with someone else. <laughs> that was it. And that, you know what? That's probably why I love, I, as much as I would love to have a, a co-host on the podcast, mm. that's probably why I still do it by myself so I can stay in control and I don't have to deal with somebody else's bullshit. Yeah. I, I remember one episode you were thinking about getting a co-host you know you, you didn't know if you wanted to get like a, a friend that w- that you didn't know that would commit all the way you wanted to get your wife maybe like are you still looking for that or is like you just uh i still go back and forth with the idea if i if i had my wife as a co-host i would have it would have to be a totally different show let me tell you, you know what i mean co-hosts are overrated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with this with this show i've had three co-hosts as you can see i'm here by myself <laughs> so yeah i don't i don't know if co-hosting is the way to go i, I kind of I, well, you know, as a as the consumer, I, I like how it is right now. But if you were to add a co-host where it's like, you know, just a really good friend that can commit, that takes it as serious as you, I would say do it. But, you know, for now, I would say, you know, you're, you're what, 80, epi- you're 80 something episodes deep. So it's like, just yeah. listen, this we're recording this on Wednesday. So tomorrow will be 85. Mm-hmm. And then I record it with Bobby. So that'll be 86. Yeah, man, you moving. So you got anything you plan for episode 100? You got any big guest plans? You got anything? Like- I don't know, bro. But who knows what's going to happen with COVID? If I can even get people here, you know, I, I, I can't even. I can't even plan. It's hard enough to plan the next episode coming up, let mm. alone all the way up to 100. Right. I mean, it would be cool to do something, but you know, you know, you know, just as well as everyone else that the the podcast game is a is an uphill struggle. Mm-hmm. So just, I just want to get get the podcast out to more people right trying to build the listener base so if i'm trying to have all these like a like a party and shit for episode 100 yeah that's great but who the fuck is gonna listen to it you (laughs) know so that's kind of my thing and yeah i don't know now what was the reception when i guess you started the podcast like what did the wife say what did your friends say you know was was this like something that caught him out caught a Caught him off guard where it was like, Steve, you want to do a podcast? Like, when the fuck have you ever talked about podcasting? So, uh, first with my wife, my wife is a fucking superstar and she's been a hundred percent behind me all the way. It was, a, there was a little bit of growing pains at first, mm. but she's really, really been supportive of the whole thing. So I, I couldn't possibly ever ask for more from her because she's been amazing. Mm. Uh, with my friends, my friends found it very funny to tell me over and over that they don't even listen to the show mm-hmm. and they, they still don't. Right. Which, Hey, I don't know. Maybe that's why I found so many <laughs> other people through the podcast. That I like more. Right. Right. Uh, now nah, Drew's cool. Drew's cool. But, uh, yeah, as far as people I know personally, mm-hmm. most of them weren't even fucking with it. Like mm-hmm. they just kind of were indifferent because it, apparently in my real life, I don't know that many people that listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. So it, it just it, some people that I've even had people say like, oh, you should put it on YouTube. That way I can listen to work. So I put it on YouTube. I'm like, hey, you've been listening? listening. Like, no, I, yeah, I haven't been listening. Like, you cocksucker. Fucking bitch, man. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, the, the people that have really supported the most are people that I, I didn't even I didn't know from Adam. Like this is 
random people that found me one way or another. And those are the people that have really kind of kept me motivated because as far as people, like my mother fucking reached out to me and said, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start listening to the podcast. And you realize I just put out episode 80 yesterday. Right. right? Yeah. 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 Like, I don't like, I don't, I don't want my mother to listen to this shit. I kind of don't either, but it's the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. I think the only episode she'll skip is the one that I recorded with my stepdad because she's tired of listening to him. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, uh, now, is is that like a shot to the gut or, or like a shot to your ego? It's like, damn, these people that I deem as friends or like the closest people to me don't even want to fuck with something I'm passionate about. Uh, a shot to the ego, I would say no, but it's definitely a bit of a reality check. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that, you know, when you get older, people have families, people have responsibilities. It's, you know, not, not everybody could do it. But when it comes to like a podcast, like every, you guys drive to work, like I know you, you watch shows on YouTube all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, is it, it is my shit that bad? I would hope, you know, as a friend, if it was that bad, you would tell me like, bro, right. you know, you, you're fucking up, dude. You got to you got to do something with this. Mm-hmm. But no, I think it was more of a reality check personally. Yeah. So. I think I think after well as of this week I've been podcasting five years right, and what I've come to realize is that no one gives a fuck about what I do, <laughs> and I'm okay with yeah. that. Like no one that I personally know gives a fuck about what I do. Like it was. It's the, really amazing, isn't it? It's it when you think about it, it is. But then when you delve deeper into it, it's not. So it's like you know. Some people don't, first of all, some people don't even know what a podcast is still. Second of all, you know, if you've never, you know, shouted it from the rooftops that you like audio, or you like, you know, communications and like podcasts and they don't know, it's like, what the fuck do you want to do podcasting for? Third of all, they can't think of you outside of what they normally know you as. So like, you know, you being a host of a show that comes out, you know, you know, whatever you want to put it out weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever the fuck, they can't see you outside of just normal you doing you know whatever the fuck it is it is you do because i remember when i lived with my mother and then i would leave like every sunday to record and then it it wasn't after till i was doing it for like five months she was like where the fuck are you going every sunday i was like um i i told you i was doing a podcast and i was recording and i leave and you know yeah and she was like oh Okay. <laughs> it was like, that was it. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. It, it wasn't until recently to where I guess it, I, I guess it didn't pick up to like three ninjas where we actually started putting out merch and she saw me like packing boxes and like, you know, envelopes and shit with, with, with mm-hmm. stuff. And she was like, what are you doing? I was like, um, I'm packing up, you know, clothes and like merch and stuff like that. I was like, for what? I'm like, the show I do sells merchandise and then we ship it to our <laughs> listeners like oh you're making money now i was like yeah, uh, yeah you know I'm, I'm i've been doing this thing for like a few years ma you know she's like oh okay and then the the episode that she tuned into i happen to be talking shit about my mother it was like oh god she's gonna pick that one to listen to i was like right, yeah cool but you know I, yeah go ahead oh i was just i don't i don't even remember half the shit i said on these episodes so like, I, I hope my either. mom doesn't like she's gonna call me up crying one night and be like, oh, I heard episode twenty-seven. Oh, Jesus Christ! I don't even remember which one that was. Don't even remember. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could have said the worst shit in the world. It's, <sighs> Mom, I'm on eighty something. Have no uh, clue. 
Now, yeah, I want to tell him. Like, why don't you just skip ahead? Just, yeah, just they get better. I promise. Yeah, it'll it'll get better. I'm gonna be doing this a while. I promise you. You know, so just so, so just listen from eighty something on, and then I got you. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, with your wife, you you mentioned earlier that you went from being a, a bachelor to a husband and a father, like just off it right yeah now did you get any advice from your stepfather about being a stepfather uh no but i pretty sure that's because i don't think i ever directly asked now my stepdad's always been somebody if i had a problem you know if i asked him for help he was always there in a second to help mm. but i'm the kind of person where you know i'm a little stubborn i'm a little hard-headed mm. i kind of gotta do things on my own and I, I fell into that exact, you know, male stereotype of just, you know, sitting there suffering in silence. People are like, oh, you, how's everything? I'm like, oh, things are great. And then meanwhile, I, I'm I'm sad all the time. I can't, I don't find joy in things anymore. And I don't, I don't, I don't understand why, uh-huh. you know. And it was it was hard at first because I mean, I I, I, I would take pride. I, I maybe I'm bragging uh, bragging a little bit, but. I think I'm pretty good at being being a dad. I mean, I'm a stepdad, mm. but I had a good role model. I had a good person to to model my, you know, my parenthood after. Mm. And just to be clear, my stepdad is not perfect by any means. Oh, and no. I do things no, 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 I no. do things very like fucking drastically different than he did. Yeah. But he was a good solid man, and mm. that was the biggest thing. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's how I want to be you know, I say my son, he's my stepson, but I treat him like he's my son right. because I moved him and his mother to New Jersey from Miami. So mm-hmm. he's away from everything he's, he was, he'd grown up with. So what the fuck kind of person would I be if I wasn't there a hundred percent in with both feet for, him, you mm-hmm. know, because he didn't ask for this shit. Exactly. So but- I'm trying to be the best I can for him. And yeah, I don't know. Did I get too far off topic on no, that no, one? No, no, keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, I just... You know, I, I didn't really ask for help. I wanted to figure it out on my own. Thank God that I, I found some some podcasts and some other dudes that were, you know, just figuring it out, too. And that helped me a lot. And just having these conversations, you know, with people like yourself, you know, mm. just being able to talk about something and not feel guilty for having a, a thought in my head. You know what I mean? Right. Like people feel bad. Like, oh, you know, I feel like this and. I don't want to. I don't want to burden you know my friends, and I don't want to burden my wife. Mm-hmm. You definitely don't want to tell your wife because then you worry she's going to look at you differently. Right. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So being able to have this space has been so helpful for helpful for me. And just, it's like being a teacher. Like you realize how well you know something when you have to teach it to someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was that was fatherhood and manhood for me. Now, how was that learning curve though? Because you go from being a bachelor to i guess a man with a long distance relationship then you have a wife then your wife brings in a child that you i I don't know if you had any prior experience with like kids or like younger siblings or whatever and taking care of them but how is it going from boyfriend long distance relationship husband to just full-fledged father uh so i'm pretty good with kids i used to you know when i was when I was young, when I was still close to my biological father, he was a martial arts instructor. So mm. one of my first jobs was teaching classes at his dojo, and I taught okay. the kids' classes. So I'm, I I know how to deal with kids. So the fatherhood part was actually the easiest part. It was the husband part that was that was throwing me for a loop. Mm. You know what I mean? Because kids aren't that complicated, really, especially like a little boy. Shit. 
they're not complicated. It just takes a lot of work. That's all. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Yeah, it, it's more or less straightforward as long as you're not actively being a piece of shit. Like right. kids are gonna let you know if you're doing a good job or not. Mm. It was the it was the husband part that was that was hard for me. It took a lot of adjustments. Mm. But you know, as with everything else, the biggest and most important virtue in that uh, in that area was just patience. Mm. Just being patient, not losing your cool, you know, having control of your temper and your emotions. It, oh my God, th- that pays off dividends. Like you wouldn't believe not being a slave to your emotions. You mm. know, those guys who just, they fucking fly off the handle at the slightest thing. And they, they say shit that they regret and they have to take back later. And, you know, oh, here's your flowers, baby. I'm sorry. I didn't mean what I said. Right. Like you, you don't want to be that guy. Mm. Don't say if you don't mean it, you know, just take a breath. And think about what you're doing before you do it, even if you're mad. Mm. And just keeping that in mind has helped so, so much. And, you know, with my son, I, his situation is so much similar to the to how I grew up. You know, his parents split when he was extremely young. Mm. So he has pretty much no memory of them actually together. He only remembers them apart. And now he's got a new stepdad. You know, he's. It's the same thing that I went through. And luckily for me, I'm a big fucking nerd and a geek, you know, mm. and I, I like stuff that it's pretty, you know, that, that a kid would like mm. or that a kid can like. Right. So we can we have like a we can bond over stuff like that and we can build a relationship. We have some kind of foundation or you know, something that we can come back to. So it's just as simple as being able to relate to him. You know, whereas my stepdad, we didn't really have anything in common. Mm. I love the man, but I can't imagine how much different our relationship might have been if, you know, if he liked Pokemon as much as I did. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah like my son lo- loving it and then me knowing way too much about it, it's, it, it ended up being perfect. So we have a really, really good relationship. And I'm very uh, conscious of, of how... I treat him and the things I do and say to him. And, you know, again, I'm not perfect. You know, I'm not, I'm not the best father in the world, but I'm trying. And I think that that's what really matters for everybody. As long as you're making a conscious concerted effort to be better and to do better and to, to keep your, your kid's best interest in mind, Mm. that's what really matters at the end of the day, because we're all going to fuck up sometimes. Mm. It's unavoidable. And if you don't, you're full of shit. You did. You say you didn't fuck up. Well, guess what? That was a fuck up right there. That was a fu- yeah, right. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, but, do you, yeah. Mm-hmm, do, do, That's it. Do you have any advice for, I guess, the husbands to be, you know, out there like myself? Like, I don't know the first thing about being a husband. Like, I, I think I got the boyfriend thing pretty much down pat, you know, besides a couple errors and, you know, upset women. But I think now I think I'm good. But like husband, do you have any advice uh, for them? All right. So first thing, disclaimer. I am not a marriage counselor. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just a fucking electrician from Jersey, and I could be talking completely out of my ass right now, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. Listen, you've but, been married for more years than me, so I need some <laughs> advice, because I eventually want to be there. All right, so I can I can only say what's worked for me, mm. but luckily I think that it's something that can work across the board. And it's, it's patience and communication. Patience in the sense where you're going to get mad, you're going to argue, mm. And it's going to be real easy to say, you know what? Fuck you. I'm done with this. Mm. It's the easiest thing in the world, especially when you're fucking mad, especially when you know you're right 
and you're arguing and the other person won't just admit they're wrong, it's the easiest thing in the world to say, you know, I don't need you around. Mm. But it all comes down to, do you want this to work? Do you want this to last or not? And sometimes that means taking a breath and talking through things. But I want to be actually, right. I, listen. <laughs> I made mad <laughs> sense right now, woman. <laughs> you know this. <laughs> hey, listen, Bill Burr agrees with me here, so I feel like I'm in the right here. Right. But being right doesn't always mean it, it, it's not always going to bring you to victory. You know what I mean? That you could be right and you could win the argument, but you could lose the war. God you know what I mean? Woman. And it's, but it's not just like a, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I'm there with you, but it, it's more than just about like sometimes women won't admit when they're wrong mm. because that's, we know that that's true. And sometimes men won't do it either. But the point is like, what's the, the end goal? You know, is this argument worth having? Mm. Like if you're feeling something, you owe it to the person you actually say you love and the person you swore to spend the rest of your life with. You owe it to them to be upfront. You don't, it's not a guessing game. Mm. You know, you, there's a marriage is not something to play games with. It's time to, to move past all the shit that we did, you know, when we were young and just boyfriends and girlfriends. Like if there's a problem, it has to be talked about mm. and it only works if both people are willing to do that. So you could have, all the best intentions and do all the right things. But if the other person's not there with you, then it, you're kind of doomed to fail. Mm. So you really have to, to be lucky enough to find that, that right person who's going to put in the same work as you. Mm. And it may not always be 50, 50. Sometimes it'll be 60, 40 or 70, 30, you know, but as long as you're both kind of close, you know mm. what I mean? Right. Like it, it's work. It really is work. And it sounds like the most cliche thing that I've ever heard in my fucking life, but it really is. It is work because at the end of the day, do you care about the marriage? Do you want it to work? Mm. Well, then you have to work and make it work. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you just want to say, like, yeah, can you put on your fucking shoes and, and let's go? Like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> but what is that? What does that accomplish at the end of the day? She's going to be mad. You're going to argue and it's going to ruin the day. And guess what? Now you just took a little chip out of the, out of the marriage right there over mm. something stupid like that. Right. So the patience, like having patience and thinking before you speak. Don't do something you're going to regret. Stop mm. and think. That's it. Stop and think. I got a big problem with that, but I'm working on it. <laughs> hey, I mean, listen, like I said, nobody's perfect. We all got we all got our things we're working on. But that, to me, that's the thing that I think has helped keep my relationship afloat. Because there's a million and a half opportunities or, or, or million and a half times when we could have just went our separate ways and called it quits and it would have made sense and it would have been easy Mm. but we didn't and here we are we have a we have a nice life here you know i I, she let me turn the garage into a podcast studio Mm. you know i can't complain bro and like i said it only works because we're both doing it it's not just me Mm. she's putting in just as much work as i am and a lot of times she's putting in more Mm. so she moved up here she moved to new jersey from miami i mean right that in itself should say something. Now, for the listeners that don't know the story, I mean, you, you've told the story to me, you know, twice over. Now, how did you guys meet? All right. So the, the general story is I was in New Orleans for my buddy's bachelor party, and she happened to be there at the same time for her best friend's bachelorette party. Mm-hmm. So we met. I, I went up and talked to her at a, at a bar. You know, nothing really came of it, but I did get her number. And we stayed in touch for like a month or two. And then she ended up taking a trip to New York 
And she said, hey, you know, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods if you want to meet up or something. I said, fuck, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm serious. I mean, I know everybody, every guy kind of feels obligated to say, oh, my wife is the most beautiful. Yeah, Listen, I'm going to say this. When I first saw my wife, she was off. She was a joint, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, she was smoke show. Smoke show. Like, to the point where I was like, I was like Zach Braff in Scrubs. Like, I was grabbing my buddy Drew's leg. I'm like, bro, she's so hot. I'm going to make a scene right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, but the point being is that, like, there was, it was a very strong attraction there. And we ended up, went on a date, and I kind of showed her around the city a little bit. Mm. We stayed in touch again, and she ended up, saying listen i know it's kind of last minute but uh you know the the wedding for the you know my my best friend whose bachelorette party was at i don't have a date and uh, it's kind of last minute but it's in jamaica and if you want like i would love to have you but if you don't don't feel pressured i was like i got i got some money right now i, I got nothing to do I'm on the like, next fucking I'll, flight <laughs> i will see you in montego bay right and that's what i did i went down I had a great time at the wedding. We decided, like, you know what? Let's let's make this official. We'll figure out a way to make it work. And it just so happened my my parents moved to Florida that same year, mm. so they were only like an hour north of Miami. Okay. So I went down to visit my mom for Thanksgiving. You know, took the day. We drove. I drove to Miami. You know, met up with her. You know, we we were able to establish a relationship. You know, it was mostly over the phone. But what I did is I. I put myself in, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of in credit card debt mm. flying back and forth to see her for mm. two years before we got married. Right. And then, uh, yeah, we, we just, we were too stubborn to give up. It would have been so easy and we didn't do it. Now, and I'm very happy we didn't. How'd you know she was the one though? How did I know she was the one? Uh, I kind of told myself as a kid and this was, through no evidence or any logic. It was just something for whatever reason I told myself, like, you need to find a hot girl who doesn't act like she's hot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And my wife is a very, very beautiful Cuban woman. And she doesn't, she's not a snob. She doesn't have her nose up in the air. She doesn't manipulate people. Like you would think like, you know, really pretty girls would like, she is a very humble person. Mm. You know, she's from Cuba. She lived under communism until she was 15 so that, you know, pretty much everybody there is poor unless you're a communist working for the government. Mm. So she grew up poor and humble, but she's this beautiful, uh, amazing, uh, gorgeous woman. And it was like the best of both worlds where she has that humility and that she's like, they got the biggest heart. She's so generous. Mm. Like one thing I learned about from, from being around Cuban people, like when you, when they have nothing, as soon as they get something, their first instinct is to share it but the people they care about that also have nothing. You know mm. what I mean? And that was something that I really learned from her. And that, like, seeing that in her, it really, like, it showed me, like, this girl, she's she's really, she's something, you know? She's got a good heart. She's mm. got a strong heart. Because I know a million girls that would never even dream of doing that in a, you know, in their entire life. You're just and this selfless. Girl, yeah, she, she really is selfless. And seeing that behavior where it wasn't just, like, a one-off, it was, you know, consistent pattern of behavior. Like, mm. you no, know, she really is a good person. Like, you know, she ain't perfect. Nobody is, but she really, she goes above and beyond. Mm. I, I think anybody else I've ever met does. So that to me was something that, and you know, like I said, she's fucking hot, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't want to let one of those go. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think my girl is like that, where it's like, I, like she's gorgeous, and I think just like she got like just DMs flooded full of just men in there oh, just trying God. to get at her. But she was like, like she's gorgeous, but like she don't care that she's. It's like, what's your, what's your heart like? Like, what do you, like, what do you bring to the table? It's like she's not caught up in like the, the vanity of herself, and she's just very selfless, yes. and she's she just like does things without like a second thought she was like i want to give you this because you know i just want to do this for you and it was like i don't i, I feel like sometimes i don't deserve half the shit that she be doing for me so oh, i was like I, yeah i'm right there with you buddy so i'm like really you did this i'm like out of, out of all the options that you probably had you chose me like me yo l- let me tell you something my wife being living in miami like i don't know about you but like guys up here oh yeah miami is a different shot. story Motherfuckers in Miami, they don't just shoot the shot. They empty the clip. Dude. Yeah, to the clip. Like, oh, my God. These guys are pushy as a motherfucker. It blows my mind. Mm. Like, Miami is a totally, totally different world than everything we're used to up here. And it's incredible. Mm. Yeah. I, like, I, I, think, uh, I think I lucked out, man. So, so, it, so if, far, if everything you, is good. If you really feel that way, bro, then... Take it seriously. That's all I'm saying. I'm taking like, this. Give, give it, give it a, an honest, an honest shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely giving, it, giving it an honest shot. I feel like I'm at that age where it's like, you know, because like, like the dating pool, like, like dating now in your thirties is like the bargain bin, where it was like, <laughs> you know, like every now and then you're gonna find something in there that shouldn't be there. Like you're gonna find a steal, but then you know, a lot of the times you're gonna take something home. Like, oh, I realized why that was a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's it's weird. You're 34 now, mm. right? So, with guys in their 30s, when you you've been either single or you've never been married, you get to a certain point where you get so kind of set in your ways and your routine that it's it's really hard to to change your life for another person. Mm. You know, it's like it's like a bridge you cross at one point in your life. You know. I would say generally it's around 35. Maybe it's later for earlier for some people, but it's like once you cross that bridge, like you're in you're in a different territory where it's really hard to find a way to to you know just to cohabitate with another person. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's like it, it really can be a detriment to wait too long. Although I would never I would never rush anybody because that's also pretty fucking bad. Mm-hmm. But there is a point where it's it's almost like, all right, the, you know, your chances of s- success here have just been cut in half, right, essentially. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I think everybody, every guy's got that point. Like, yeah. Just they're not all the same. Yeah. I mean, you you take that chance when you wait this long. So it's like, you know, the dating pool as you get older doesn't get any better. You know, you get more people with like baggage and just, you know, triggers and, you know, mm-hmm. you got you to gotta deal with a whole, whole lot. So, you know, if you find one that's that's worth it, keep it, hold on to it, you know, lock it down, do what you got to do for it. Yeah. Well, one of the other things, too, is like as you get older and you date more, you learn a lot about the things you don't want in a partner mm-hmm. but the problem is when you when you date too much you learn about too many things you don't want and then like it's almost like everything becomes a deal breaker yeah, for you. you know what i mean it to you yeah so it that in itself that you get too much experience mm-hmm. right now with the pot amongst men 
Where do you see okay. this show going? What do you plan for this show? Like, is this just like a fun hobby where like I get to talk to some people, I get to, you know, let out my frustrations, or is it just like I actually want to take this show further than what it is now? Uh so my my way of thinking in that is that I want to always think of it as a fun hobby. Mm-hmm. And whatever else happens from there is just a perk. Because as long as I'm having fun with it and enjoying making it and feeling like I'm I'm doing some kind of good in the world, mm. then you know, literally everything else is is just a perk. It's just a plus. You know, as long as I have that baseline, then even if it never goes any further than this garage here, then I'm still okay. Mm. You know? Like I wanna just I want people to be able to look at this show and say, hey, I actually got something. That actually helped me when I was, you know, when I was in a bad place. That's all I care about. That's mm. really it. That, and that's good enough for me. And if it gets bigger, it gets bigger. And if it doesn't, then, you know, no harm done. I had some fun and it is what it is. But I feel like if I if I try to put too many expectations on it, then it's setting it setting the whole thing up for failure. Because then, you know, oh well, I wanted it to go this way. It's not going that way. And you start getting your head and then the content suffers. And I'm just I, I'm trying to to make the content better. You know, every every episode I'm trying to do better, mm. trying to make it more entertaining and more just more valuable for people mm. so I, yeah i don't really i don't really know where it goes but i'm i'm happy wherever it does now how was that um conversation with the wife where it was like i got this hobby but i want to take over a whole room of the house well we at first i i took over the dining room but i, I had to clean up after every time i recorded get this so shit was, the fuck out of here yeah I had this uh, little like a rolling suitcase that I was able to pack everything into. Mm. So as soon as it was done, I just packed it all up and no one was the wiser. But now, you know, we we sold the house we lived in and I was able to make a little money off that, pay off all that credit card debt from fucking flying them back and forth to Miami. <laughs> Good job. But we got a house and this is a selling point for me. It had a detached garage. So I told her right off the bat, I'm like, listen, we can get this house. The garage is mine. Don't fucking say anything more about it. Right. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll take that deal. Mm. So I got the garage, and from day one, I just set it up as if it was a studio, not a garage. You know, I got some, I got a table, and I set it up with all my, all the little nerd stuff and all the stuff that makes me me. You know, I got an X Men picture behind me. I got the painting from Ghostbusters here, and the yeah, painting from that. Goodfellas over here. Right. And I got a couple, I got two basses, uh, a bass and two guitars on the other wall. I got all my old bouquets from when I did martial arts. Mm. It's just this is my little. I hate to say man cave because it sounds like like I'm relegated to a fucking cave. Now own that shit. Yeah, but it's this is my space. This is my space. I'm Tom. Welcome right. to my space. No. <laughs> <And> I'm Tom. <laughs> oh, but shit. yeah, that's this is this is my space to to do something to do something with myself. Do something creative. You know what I mean? I'm not doing. I'm not in the band anymore. Mm. We're not writing music. We're not playing music. What can I do that's creative where I can put something out there and make it what I want it to be? Mm. So this is that, and I'm trying to to, to be a, a positive force in the world because you know right now shit's crazy. There's a lot of hate, a lot of negativity out there. I would like to be kind of a light in the darkness for someone. Mm-hmm. Okay, got you. Now I don't want to keep you too long. I know you got shit to do tomorrow. So my last thing is, um, let's see. Now, how have you changed since starting the podcast, and what did you realize within yourself while doing the show? Uh, the thing I realized in myself is that as 
as much ego as I do have, and as good as I think I am, there's always, always room for improvement. And I was able to spot some stuff in myself that I didn't see before. And I thought I was good. I'm like, ah, I'm not, I'm not my dad. I'm not doing all this stuff. And I'm like, ah, but you are doing this and you are doing that. And, you know, it's, it's all, everything is a learning experience. Mm. You know, every, every day is a learning experience. And as soon as you think you've got something figured out, whether it's with a marriage, with raising kids, there's going to be a curveball coming around the corner. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's something else that's going to throw you for a loop that you're going to have to, you know, revamp the way you're thinking about something or just with this podcast has really helped me kind of examine all these different parts of myself Mm. that, that I never even thought might've been an issue. And it's also helped me amplify the things in myself that, that were good. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like a way to, it's, I'm just, I'm doing spring cleaning, Mm. you know, in in my mind and soul. Mm. And, uh, yeah, if, if I can try to help other people, you know, along their journey and be the best they can be, I'm on that journey too. Mm -hmm. So, as much as I can help someone else, I'm helping myself in the process. Hmm. Like does that, that make sense? No, I kind of feel like I'm just talking out of my ass right now. No, there. it does make sense, and, and I like it. You know, with like I said, I don't, I don't think you know the job that you're doing for, I guess, people like me that just need that outlet, just need that safe space, as you hate to call it. But you just, <laughs> you, just you just, you just need that thing where it's just like, hey, this is you know, unfiltered, unadulterated, just convo of men not being not being scared to be men and not live up to this you know stereotype machismo shit that that we've been you know having to live up to because our grandfathers and fathers were were raised this way it's just it's it's very comforting and freeing to just be i guess no yeah that but that's it that's the whole thing like be who you are mm-hmm there's no fucking, you know, list of things you have to, a checklist to, to be a man. Like, oh, you have to do this, that, this, that, and then this, that, and the third. And like, yeah, now you're a man. It doesn't work like yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't like, work like have, that. We have no like rites of passage. It's not some, you know, some tribe out in the wilderness where it's, oh, you have to go kill the lion and then now you're a man. Like, we don't have that. Mm. We come from a generation where, you know, we're just kind of left figuring this out on our own. Mm. Because yeah, on one side, you have people telling us that, you know, oh, we're we're oppressors and we're doing this and we're the worst thing ever and we're abusers. And, and the other side, you have people telling us that, like, you know, you're too soft. You know, you're a sissy. You're not strong enough. So it's like, what are we supposed to do? So this is the space where we try to filter out all that noise. We figure out who we are, mm. but just be who you are. Don't try to be what someone wants you to be. Don't try to be what society wants you to be. All this you know, is trial and error. But that's it is trial and error. And this is a space where we can we can talk about those mistakes and I could learn from your mistakes and you from mine. And think about you and me come from very different upbringings. Mm. We can have a conversation and realize that we have so many similarities as much as many things that are different between us. There's 10 times more that we have in common. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And this is a place because a lot of times I feel like if you look at podcasts like either, you know, like it's a bunch of white guys sitting around talking about something or a bunch of black guys sitting around talking about something. Mm. And there's not a lot of crossover. And this where with my show, I wanted it to be like, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. Like the, the more different, the better. 
because mm. that's where the that's where the learning happens. That's mm-hmm. where you actually figure something out. Mm. Like when you hear about someone who grew up totally different than you, who lives a life nothing like yours, mm. and you realize how much you have in common with that person still, right. like that's the good shit right there. That's the meat and potatoes. You know what I mean? Mm. Right. So that's a, another thing I really wanted to do. I wanted to kind of branch it out and just be diverse, but not just for the sake of diversity. Diverse because that's where the learning happens. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Got you. Great, man. I mean, this podcast, I don't know what you set out to actually do. Maybe, it's just, like you said, it may be a fun hobby. Maybe you want to get some shit off your chest, but it's actually helped me in more ways than I can, you know, express right now because you know you had an episode where you had a a couple doctors on and they were saying some shit i was like oh i I gotta you know look inward and you know try to figure out with me i remember you had a testosterone episode he was talking that guy fucked me up man fuck me up up. now i gotta make fucking appointments (laughs) to go get my my t levels checked and shit i'm like yo something's off (laughs) something's wrong so now (laughs) listening to your show makes me want to go to the doctor i mean i was going to the doctor before but it's like you know after listening to that show it's like maybe i need to get you know maybe something might be like chemically fucked up and chemically wrong or maybe it's just like Maybe it's all in my head. I don't know, but I need that confirmation. And your <laughs> that show became my go to excuse for work. It was like every time I did anything wrong, you know, I got this low T, I think. I got, I got this low T, man. You know, what yeah, you, you dropped do? the T, Steve. Ah, it's fucking low T. Ah, you know? it's fucking low T. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is, man. But I, I don't, I don't want to blow smoke. I really don't. But I feel like you have something here that can, that can be something monumental, even though it's something that, for right now, that you're taking as a hobby because, you know, you can't put your all into it. But I feel like for a man that, you know, who literally physically carved out his own space in his house to just make a like, hey, this is my podcasting, streaming, YouTube, whatever the fuck you want to call it. This is my sanctuary. This is my man cave of this is me. My stu, stu studio. <laughs> this is my stu, stu studio. This is my shit. Right? And I feel like, you know, for someone that I don't, I don't feel like I feel like you're saying you take it as a hobby, but in retrospect, I feel like it's much more than that. And subconsciously, like this is manifesting itself into something way bigger that you probably don't even see yet. But I feel like you definitely are on to something. You definitely have something. Maybe that's, you know, me listening to a bunch of episodes and taking so much away. Maybe that's just me seeing the future and be like, hey, Steve sounds like a guy that was meant for either this subject matter or just like just just tone wise you just sound like you have it together you're very intelligent you know what you're talking about you know what guests to have on the show you just know in the direction that you're that you're going and you know i tune in every week i try to tune in every week if if, if i don't get to a thursday i'm definitely gonna get to a friday but you know i just listen to what's next even if it's a guest or if you don't have a guest and it's just you doing the Bill Burr style of just, you know, shooting the shit with yourself and just hoping someone listens <laughs> and, and just takes heed to it. It's it's something that I can honestly say I enjoy. And that's why I call it one of my favorite podcasts. I really appreciate that, bro. And, you know, like I said, you were one of the people that inspired me. So that's fucking to nuts. hear it. But the, to hear you saying that is nuts to me. You mm. know what I mean? So I I, I hope. I hope you're right. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I, mean hope, I hope I hope it it becomes everything that that you see in it. So 
I just, I just want to, I want to be a good person. I want to be a positive force. I want to help people if I can. And I want us to all have fun in the process. Mm-hmm. I don't want us to take ourselves too seriously, but at the same time, not everything has to be a joke. So it's kind to... of like right down the middle. Yeah. Happy medium. Yeah. That's... Happy medium. But we have, we have strong opinions yeah, on, a, on some shit. It is a pot of mucks men where we can, you know, we can, you know, be the stereotypes of men, but we can also break those stereotypes of men. Exactly. So now, where can people find a pot amongst men? So wherever you guys are listening or watching this, you can pretty much find us there. We're on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. So, you know, with everything else, please make sure you subscribe and like and support it there. And, you know, it's available on every podcast platform, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. Uh, and pretty soon it's going to be on. Doesn't Amazon have podcasts now? Amazon does have a podcast department now, so it's going to be on there pretty soon. As soon as I get up off my ass. Yeah, I got the email a couple weeks ago. I was like, Amazon. I'm like, I mean, it's not. It's, it's not too far fetched, you know. They got the uh, the Amazon video thing going, so why not? You know, reach your hand in, in the into in, into podcasting. So hey, good enough for the boys. Good enough for me. Good enough for me. <laughs> Steve, man, I appreciate you. Every time we talk, you know, it's always a good time. You know, you always have some have something insightful and something that I take away from the conversation. So, you know, as always, you know, it's just great talking to you and chopping it up with you. Like I said from the beginning, it's motherfuckers I've met during this podcast and shit more genuine than people I've met my 35 years in real life. I mean, 34. I don't know how old I'm drunk. So <laughs> my 34 years in real life where it's just like, you know, you meet these people, whether it be common interests, whether it be just genuinely good people. And, you know, I just meet these people and we just click. And now we have episodes on all platforms. I've been on your podcast. You've been on both of my podcasts. So it's like, you know, Steve is the homie, man. Hey, man, listen, that's just that's what it's all about. That's what that's the the beautiful part of the Internet. Aside from all the terrible shit that's out there, mm. like if not for the Internet, you and I would never be able to have these conversations and like realize that, you know, there's a kindred spirit there. Like, you know, like you said, we come from different different places, but we're we're like minded individuals. Mm. And we found, you know, I, I I like I like to be able to, to call you a friend. You know Definitely. what I mean? Even though, even though we've never even actually hung out or recorded in person. Mm. Yeah, but, we, yeah, we gotta change that soon, man. I don't, I don't know how scared you and your wife are of COVID, but, but we can make that trip to Jersey. Well, listen, we're we're going on a trip, you know, on Saturday. So I think my wife, her 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 cabin fever has overridden her fear at this point. Right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and I've been out the whole time at work, so nothing really changed for me. Right. So I'm ready to do it. All right, so you know we'll 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 talk offline, and we, you know we'll set something up. We'll see what the boys is talking about, and you know we'll get that shit done. Fucking hey, buddy. Hey, Dom. Before we get out of here, I just want to say thank you because you know, as someone who's who's a content creator, someone who has more than one podcast, you got a lot on your plate as mm-hmm. it is between the podcasts and your your own life, your own responsibilities, mm-hmm. and the fact that you took the time to actually. You know, reach out to me when I when I you know I would share some thing about Three Ninjas or something, and you actually, you know, responded and and talked to me and not talked to me like you were just kind of yesing me to death. Say, hey, you know, thanks, appreciate it, buy the merch, see you later. <laughs> but you talked to me like a human being, and we actually, you know, converse like men and then like 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 real people. Hmm. And not everybody would do that. And the fact that we're here now, being able to have these conversations, I, I want to say thank you and thank you for 
for supporting this show. This little little rinky dink uh, engine that could, you know what I mean? Mm. But if it wasn't for you being the genuine person you are, then none of that would have happened. And if it wasn't, there's been times when I was ready to just throw in a towel with this whole thing. Mm. And like you, you mentioned this as well. It's like when you when you're about to be done, when you think you're you're, you're ready to give up. There's always that one little spark, that one little piece of positivity, that little piece of support that somebody somewhere throws out to you, and it's just enough to keep you going. And on more than one occasion, you've been that that spark for me, and I want to sincerely say thank you for that. Likewise, man, you've been that you've been that spark for me many a times where it was just I, I felt like that, you know, I want to give up, I want to you know stop doing this. Like, why am I doing this? We're not reaching the people. Or like, we're we're doing yeah, this shit for is hard, man. seemingly no reason, but it's just like you you get that message, you get that DM, you get that just extra oomph, you know, you just get that, and then it's like you know what? Now I know why I'm doing this. Now I can you know push forward like a few more months a few more weeks it's just like that one comment them few words because when i took a break from uh three ninjas and you know the 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 support i got it with people not knowing why i was gone and them just you know just saying hey hope you good you know don't worry about the show come back when you're ready just know we waiting for you we fuck with you you know we can't wait to hear you again and that like people People that don't, people from across the fucking nation, people across the world sending me messages, this little known podcaster from Connecticut. It's just, it, it, it means, it means more than, more to me than y'all will ever know. And, you know, I want to give that love right back to you and everyone else, man. Hey, well, that love is there for a reason, buddy. You know, that's a mutual, it's a two way street. Definitely. All right. So time to stop blowing each other all right so (laughs) (laughs) well i guess i have to get divorced now (laughs) (laughs) all right man so you know everybody go check out a pot amongst men you know on all your podcasting platforms soundcloud i soundcloud itunes google play stitcher spotify youtube iHeartRadio, amazon soon you know wherever the fuck you get your podcast me and make sure you make sure you follow me on instagram and twitter follow steve yeah. At a pot amongst men. A pot amongst men. If you can't spell, I'll put it in the fucking description because I know you niggas got a got a lot of fucking problems with words and shit. You know, amongst the, you know, it's 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 a word, but you know. Wow, shots fired. I mean, yo, I don't care about a lot of motherfuckers, but a lot of you niggas are stupid. <laughs> so I need y'all to learn. I need I need y'all to really listen to Steve. If you're a man that you know enjoys podcasting and just you know you have them them same uh, preconceived notions about what a man should be. And you want to break those stereotypes and just, you know, get like a different perspective. You know, I like to learn about people that aren't like me. So, you know, being a listener of Steve's podcast gives me an extra insight. And people I would probably never fucking talk to just is these uh, psychiatrists and doctors that he has on his show. I would probably never, you know, think to have on my show. But, you know, you you get a lot from a pot amongst men. So I want to do as much as I can to support you just like you support me. And you have good shit, so it's like you know I want to do as much as I can. We're a, we're a multivitamin in podcast form, right? <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, one thing's for certain: we're too much for these niggas and three much for these hoes. I go by the name of Domino. That's Steve B from A Pot of Mucks Men. Yo, and we out of here. Domino, motherfucker, what's that? <laughs> 